Hey everybody, welcome to the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G. We are here for another episode of the season. We've got TJ Woodard in of Prescriptions to Go. We're going to talk medical, pharmacy, golfing, children. Who knows what we're going to get into? We're going to get into a bunch of different stuff, a bunch of different topics, and really just dive into the entrepreneurial world that is within TJ's life. But before we get to that, I want to give a big, wonderful shout out and thank you to the amazing folks that bring you the show each and every week. Building 5, Belia Real Estate, Lake Men's Health Center, Horizon Financial Group, Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge, and you know the fit of the day is brought to you by McClavey Limited. Without further ado, TJ, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to, to have you here and learn and <laughs> chit-chat and learn about all things prescriptions and medical and whatnot, man. So... I'll make it as interesting as I can. Look, uh, that's good. <laughs> um, I'll be here for it. So for for those that aren't aware, um, whatever the small fraction of the population that is, who are you and what the heck do you do? Uh, wow, tough one right out of the gate. Um, so I'm TJ Woodard. I'm, I grew up in North Louisiana in Bossier City. Uh Came to school here. I was kind of a journeyman. I was all over the, the state going to school uh, and then ended up in Monroe in pharmacy school where I met one, my wife, Amy. Um, I'm from Bozier. She's from Ville Platte. And, you know, we graduated and we're getting married and, and didn't really know what to do or where to do it. So we kind of decided that to, to, I had still had friends in Baton Rouge and originally had had aspirations of going back to law school after pharmacy school. And that's a whole other story. But um, we decided to, to come to Baton Rouge for a, a little while until we sorted things out and figured out what we wanted to do. And uh, that was what, 16 years ago now. So it seems like uh, we've, we've planted our roots here. <laughs> Have you figured out what you wanted to do yet? <laughs> Not really. No, uh, I'm closer than I was when we first started. She, Amy and I graduated you know, pharmacy school and we didn't really know what we wanted to do. You, you go work at a big chain and you, you put money in a 401k and you work hard and you pick up shifts. And then hopefully one day before you die, you can retire and enjoy it. And it didn't take either one of us, but especially me very long to realize that pharmacy and medicine, especially the big chain, kind of the retail world was not what I thought it was or certainly not what I wanted to do. So that I wouldn't say that I ever thought I had an entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, looking back now, it's, it's, it's kind of in there. Uh, and funny enough, really a lot of it with every company I worked for, one of the things that agitated me the most was they made us wear a tie and like this lab coat and this, I don't know. I felt like I was a clown playing dress up or something. And it's funny that, that, uh, a tie, having to wear a tie to work, uh, being forced by somebody who had no idea what patient care or pharmacy was about, that probably is the thing that pushed me over the edge. And it's, uh sounds so petty and ridiculous, but I'm just not the kind of person, if the answer to like, why are we doing this is because, well, that's the way we've always done it. I, that, is that it, what they told you? I mean, this was a process. This was a... uh <laughs> This happened over over a period of time, and I just wouldn't wear a tie, and they would come in. And Now, mind you, the stores, this was later on, and uh, I was at a store, and the store that I worked at was 
was established. We were doing well. The sales were up. People were generally happy. We took good, good care of people. And it's always like they seem to be worried about something that was completely irrelevant or didn't, nobody cared about. Uh, and that was kind of always my argument was, do you think Miss Jones cares if I'm wearing a, a tie when she comes in and she's out of her blood pressure medicine, the doctor's out of town, she only, only has a ride when her nephew comes in town to take her. I'm going to take care of her. That's what she cares about. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of giving away the, the secret to success here, but corporate the corporate world doesn't seem to listen to me much. So that's <laughs> not done much matter. <laughs> no, that's not what people care about. So, uh, yeah, so we ended up here and have a lot of friends here. Never thought I would own or operate a business here. I love LSU, obviously. I, I've I've always loved Baton Rouge. I fell in love with it. And, um, you know, I tell people all the time, like, why, why am I so passionate about not just Baton Rouge, but Louisiana, but especially Baton Rouge? It, I chose to live here. I A lot of people grew up here and never left for whatever reason. But Amy and I chose to live here and we choose to raise our kids here so that you kind of have, have a vested interest when you, you know, when you've when you've made that decision. So I don't know. Maybe that's why I care care so much well i mean at the end of the day right you've got a family here you have an established business here you have skin in the game you're concerned about what's happening on the corner around the street from you you're concerned about what's happening in the capital you're concerned about the roads you drive like you are yeah you at least you should be because if you live somewhere you want to make sure that where you're living is gonna be the best for both you your family and your next generation that's gonna be to come yeah no i think that's I think that's right. And, and I do, I do care. I'm in the community and I, you know, it's the, it's the not in my backyard mentality. It, and I think all of us want this to be a, a nice place to raise a family, something we're proud of. And when somebody comes in to visit, you know, we can, we can show them how great the city is. So I think you're right. And really it's, it's maybe even more simple than that for me. It's just, it's kind of how I was raised and how, Amy, my wife, was raised that you just kind of want to leave the world a better place than you found it. It really sounds cliche and all those things, but I'm a simple person. Parenting is is a very difficult. My father-in-law always says it's not complicated, but it's not easy, and it, and that's it's exactly right. But I'm a simple person. Like I need to focus on simple things. So what can I do? It, little things, big things, whatever to make this place better than I found it. Yeah. So it's, it's cliche and simple, but. But it's your, it's your truth though. Like it, yeah. it, it's who you are. It's not this facade that you're putting out saying, Oh, I want to leave the world a better place. And then doing something else behind the door. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's authentic to you because it's how you live your life. It's how your business operates. You want to make well, the person that comes in better than the one they, they want them to leave better than they came in. Yeah, that's right. And it spills over, I guess, into our business. There wasn't this grand like planning session where we sat down and, you know, let's come up with with a motto or how we're going to do things or how we're going to treat people or who we're going to hire or, you know, all these checklists. And I don't do any of that. It's but I, I think inherently it, it just happens naturally. So that's how who do we hire? Why do we hire them? Well, I couldn't I can't really define that. I, we hire, we've been lucky to hire really good people that do the right thing, even when no one's looking. So like a golf reference, my son's really into golf. And I, I tell him that, like, I'll show him a professional calling 
a two-stroke penalty on himself when the ball moved, nobody in the world would have known. But he knew that that was the right thing at that time. So this theory, like, do the right thing, especially when no one's looking. I don't know. I think if everybody did that, you know, and to, and to go back to another completely cliche motto that kind of how we try to run our business is like the golden rule. Yeah. It, it's really not complicated, but it's it matters. Just treat people well. So all the, the marketing and the studies and, and, you know, how do you grow a business and how, to, I don't really know. I just, you, you just, hey, you just know how to treat people well. I think if you do yeah. it, then the rest takes care of itself. And, and I think when you, like when you look at things from a marketing perspective, the best type of marketing out there is always going to be word of mouth. Right. And so how do you get people to be vocal about your business? How do you get people to verbalize their experience and I think it comes down to how you treat that person. When they walked in the door, yeah. did you treat them well? Did you respect them? Did you do what you could to fulfill the order, to work around a problem or an issue that came yeah. up? Instead of saying, well, that's not within my wheelhouse. That's not my job, not my problem. And, sh- and you know, shifted them down to the line. Like, no, you took care of them every step of the way. You were a part of them. Their experience was successful because of what you did while they were there. They're going to remember that way more than if you had a tie on or not. No, I think th- I think that's exactly right. And that's it's still a little awkward and uncomfortable for uh for us when and we're we're lucky. I mean, we have very loyal patients, friends, family and I I don't advertise I don't I don't market well and I I know that's one of my my shortcomings, but like you said, it's it kind of takes care of itself through word of mouth, and it it really means a lot to us. It, it, it but it, it it makes me uncomfortable when someone, especially somebody that I don't really know, uh, because maybe I wasn't there at one of our pharmacies, and somebody just did the right thing and took care of them. They do that all day, every day. And oh, by the way, you weren't there, but this happened, or I was out of a refill, or we were leaving town, or it was a Sunday, and I had surgery Monday morning and forgot to pick up my medicine and somebody met me there. I mean, those are the kind of things that you would never see in the corporate world because they're punching a clock, they're doing a job, they're going home. Whereas it's kind of a, I hate to say a mission, like this is, you know, I'm not in the Philippines taking care of people on my own dime, but it's, you know, we all have our own mission, our own way. And part of, I guess, my talent, my skill set is, Pharmacy is an unnecessarily complicated world, but it's not usually as complicated as somebody made it. So there's oftentimes a pretty simple solution to a complicated problem. Um, and that that's worked out well for us with, with word of mouth and our patients are our best advocates. And I would like to think it's because they feel like they're well taken care of. And that's, that's always been my goal, but, but you're right. It's, you can't beat word of mouth. And if somebody if your good friend that you trust tells you, hey, go buy a car at this place, ask for this guy, he'll take care of you, you're going to give that more credit than you will, you know, seeing something play, you know, on a, a 7 o'clock primetime TV show or something. Yeah, it's, you may, you may watch a lot of commercials and you may be drawn to whatever the commercial yeah. is saying, but what solidifies even more is if I say, hey, TJ, look, for dinner, man, you got to go to Building 5 because it's phenomenal. And it's not like, you know, it's it's coming from a, a place of, hey, 
as a friend, as a companion, I'm telling you that you've got to go do this because my experience was so great with whatever it is, you know, instead of saying, hey, listener, have you been to right. XYZ? Yeah, and you have to repeat it X amount of times before it sets in. And I that's a great point. And, I, you know, side plug, uh, we're big fans of Building 5. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, my, we live very near there and my wife thoroughly enjoys it. Um, but, but just like, you know, men's health that yeah. the, these folks, I, you know, some of these folks, I didn't even know, we know doctors, they know us almost like in a casual business sense. We, we see each other's name. We, we cross each other on the fax machine. <laughs> We're one of the, the few people in the world that still use a fax machine. I was about machine. to say, don't tell me I'll still use a fax we machine. We do. It's why I, I don't, I don't know. So you're all like still like faxing over prescriptions? Yeah, not not as many, nearly as many as as before. They're trying to shift everything to e-scripts, but yeah, there's still a lot that do. Um, that's another kind of weird wormhole <laughs> we can go down. One of my fascinations is how do fax machines work, but I I don't know that I want to know. Uh, but but that's, you know when we it's interesting technology. It, it's, know, it's like you think it's outdated, but when you actually break it down to what is happening. Right, like you're dialing a number. It's just ones you're and zeros, a right? Document and it's sending out ones and zeros to then be replicated. Yeah, across where across the world, but print out a document that's identical to what you had. You know, it's funny. Like in our world, uh, forgery and and is always like the peak of everyone's interest. But I mean, those, those doctors' signatures, though. Come on. Yeah, it's we can read the writing, uh, but 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 again, they're sh they're shifting everything to electronic prescriptions now, which is great. But they're they've been hacked and forged and th those sorts of things. F the fax is still probably the most difficult thing to to forge, which is kind of funny. But no, it's but but kind of back to the your theory. And when we opened our second store, it was really I, I had a much better idea of what what we needed to do and where we needed to do it. Uh, it was, but a lot of it was still dumb luck. And turns out we, we operate very close to where a, an awful lot of physicians live and work. And I would say probably per capita, we have more physicians and nurse practitioners and PAs, all kind of prescribers as patients than any other pharmacy, which I, I wear that kind of as a badge of honor. I mean, these are the folks that know these things and the fact that they'll choose us, but not just choose us. They become our biggest, our biggest advocates, which is, which is great. I mean, you can't pay for that sort of advertisement that right. you go, you go into the doctor's office and he or she tells you, oh, I don't know, send it to XYZ pharmacy, but it's terrible. I'm going to have to wait for two days and they're going to be out of it and blah, blah, blah. Well, why are you going there? Why don't you go to prescriptions to go? It's right down the road. They'll take care of you that you can't pay for that. And it's yeah. been really, we've been, I would like to say that I had this grand scheme and planned all of that out, but I didn't. It was just, it was dumb luck and we took care of people. And over time it, it's kind of uh, taking care of itself. Well, and I'm, that goes into like what you're saying about being in the community, being involved. When you look at like Lakeman's health center, right. With Dr. Chastain and Dr. Boudreaux, when they do their community events and they do their, their wine dinners, which are phenomenal, they do their bourbon tasting dinners, which are fun, and they bring people in like you, partners in the community, like you just see that they're trying to build something bigger than just 
meeting the corporate demands, right? It's, okay, no, we're really caring about servicing clients. We're really caring about providing service. And with prescriptions to go, you'd much rather say, oh, hey, Miss Susie, nice to see you. Oh, Timmy's in town. That's why you're here picking up your prescription instead of right. name, date of birth. Well, that makes for a really long day, and I've done that. Um, when, when you're just there performing a task and doing a job, it can get very, very, very mundane, which is – the thing I, I love the most, especially when we were downtown and pretty slow and I was there, you know, all day, every day. I mean, we had, it was kind of like the barbershop. I mean, we had people that would come in throughout really? the day and just like drink coffee, not even pick up a prescription, but we would just, that's the part I love. The part I hate, what I do a lot of now that hopefully the end is in sight, you know, fighting with insurance companies and things on the back end, that's that's the part that's no fun, but it's just, it's just the, the nature of the beast, but yeah, it's and th- this whole thing of kind of to go down this tangent that the customer is always right. Well, they're not at prescriptions to go. The customer is not always right when they're wrong and dead wrong and don't know how to talk to people or treat people or you know it's it's happened. Cuss cuss one of the the, the ladies out. Uh, that customer is not right, and more so than that, I've asked more than a couple of people to go find another pharmacy to use because it's, you know, it's that, that theory that I don't know what it is. 5% of your customers take up 95% of your time and they're 99% of your headache. There's some truth to that. And, and it's usually and some of that's personality driven. And some of it is just, they're used to, well, I can do that and get a free meal or I can do that. And they'll give me a gift card because I've complained. And it's funny. Like once you, I guess maybe we have a reputation for that because we don't see a lot of that anymore. But you weed out the the bad apples and the bad actors. That not just they're not just bad to the staff or whoever it is. It's that's really truly doing the best they can to help them. It's other customers and people around them. Um, so that's that was something kind of unique that we I I kind of value quality over quantity. I I don't I would rather fill two hundred fifty prescriptions than 500 and just be you know head down can't visit with anyone always behind always late that's that it makes for a very miserable day and it it starts to show itself in in everyone yeah and that's i i don't think that's just specific to your to your industry Mm -hmm. i think that is you know i see that a lot in the cpa world Mm -hmm. where it's we i've at least personally i focus a lot more on quality over quantity yeah i would much rather have somebody who understands and appreciates what we do and is looking for that level of service than for just somebody that's going to walk into, say, an H&R block and say, here's my documents, file the return. I want to build a relationship with you. Right. I want to help you. I want to coach you. I want to be able to work with you from where we pick you up, wherever you're at in your stage, right. in your career, and we help you get to the next level with whatever we're able to do with you. It's so much better and personally more satisfying and appealing to get to work through that with that person, get to know them and their family, then just say, okay, what's your name, date of birth, and let me process you through the system. Yeah, that's one of the things I think in that healthcare is has kind of slowly devolved into. And I don't I don't I, I don't think it was a concerted effort. I think it's really kind of time driven and a lot of times we are all very busy and there's paperwork requirements and this and that. But it, to me, it's it's so much more satisfying and rewarding. Like in your world, when when you see a smile on somebody's face, like, well, thank you. I never I never thought of that. Or, and that's one one of the things I've tried to focus on as I get older. 
you know, I'm not an electrician. I'm not a plumber. Although I've tried all those things, it usually I end up screwing it up worse than it was before and have to pay double to fix it. And, and like I like to think I have a network of whether it's a plumber or a physician or a, an electrician, whatever it is, somebody that I know and I trust, they may be a little more expensive. I'm happy to pay it because you get better quality. Yeah, and you, you get what you pay for in everything in life. You do. And I, I one of the things I, I hate, like a sterile transaction. It, You know, you go, whether it's a big, you know, a big grocery store chain or, or the TSA or, and we all have bad days and we're all frustrated, but it's not that person's fault. It's not the customer's fault. They may be having a much worse day than you are. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of the little things that, but the flip side of that is not like we have like this training program. It, it's really just about knowing who to surround yourself with. I, I can tend to be a little negative, uh, at, at times it, Amy would die laughing if she was sitting next to me, but <laughs> Uh, so I kind of like to surround myself with positive people that too much negativity is not really good for anybody. So yeah, it's, it's a kind of like going back to parenting, running a business, you know, like you have a walk on hat there. I mean, I don't think you could ask Brandon if he thought it would end up where it is now when they first started, but do the little things and do them, do them right. And it, it, it takes care of itself. So there's not some big, secret or you know self-help three-part series uh book that will will help you do this i don't think it's that complicated no it's just treating people right yeah treating them well and actually delivering on what you promise that's that's a great point and that's one of the things that we we try to instill in in everybody is just do what you say you're going to do and if you can't or something comes up or we try to order a medicine it's on back order People are inherently reasonable if you just communicate with them. Oh my gosh, yes. Just communicate and and maybe, hey, well, this is kind of a situation because I really needed to have this today. Let's figure it out. And and that's you know, going back to CPA life, like we're we're in the, the tail end of tax season, right? And so mm-hmm. all these people that we've said we're gonna file on time, file on time, file on time. If there comes to the point of no return and I have to we have to file an extension, so long as I let them know, look, we did the best we could. There's still information we need. That's we right. don't want to put an exorbitant amount of pressure on you. Let's play it safe. Let's extend. And if we get it filed next week, we get it filed next week. Absolutely. But at least you're communicating that. And when somebody leaves whatever it is, whether it's a restaurant, whatever type of business that they decide to no longer patronize, they're most likely not doing it because they weren't getting receptive feedback. I would say that's right. It, and it's it's not really product specific or yeah, it's whatever it's, it's anything. It can, it can be a restaurant. It can be a, a car dealership. It can be an airline. It doesn't matter. Just, just communicate with people and they're inherently reasonable. And that's what it's kind of funny. One of the, when we were opening our second store and we got a new computer system is, I still don't understand everything it can do. Uh, as I told you, I'm kind of a Luddite, but it, it has all these bells and whistles. It can do all these things. And one of the, one of the big selling points or one of the features it offers is it will text someone when their prescription is ready. And I said, great, but I've heard horror stories. Like what does that mean? Because the last thing I want is for, you know, little Johnny has a raging ear infection. They 
went to the doctor, got home late, spent a long day, nobody slept last night, just get everybody settled in, had dinner, text somebody, oh, little Johnny's antibiotic is ready, and you show up and wait in line and get up there. Oh, no, it's not ready. We had to order it for tomorrow. Like, I would rather not send them a message than yeah. send them that message. I, I've I've experienced that firsthand yeah. where it's you get a notification, okay, your prescription is ready for pickup. And at the time, we were, we're out of state or something, and so we go to the pharmacy, and I'm like, hey, I'm here to pick up the prescription. It said it was going to be ready at 12.05 mm-hmm. or whatever, and it's 12.15. And they're like, oh, yeah, we, we don't – I don't know why it sent you that. We don't really have that. We have to, It's on its way from another pharmacy, Yeah, you know, four blocks down the road. And they've got to get it here, and then we've got to tag it in. We've got to process it. That's we've got right. to put it through. And like, it's, then you're they hours this, away from this thing this, being right. Yeah. So, so I'm like, how long? And they're like, well, it's going to be a little while. So, okay, I'll be back in like two yeah. hours. Come, but, I'll come back next Wednesday. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll see you in a week or something. And it's just, yes, if you're going to communicate, and it goes back to delivering on what you say you're going to deliver on. Yeah. If you get a text message and it says your prescription's ready, it better be ready. That's what, that's that's the one thing I kind of harp on. Like, if you tell somebody you're going to do something, do it. Just do it. If you do that, everybody's happy. So you mentioned earlier about wanting to go back to law school or wanting to go to law school. Right. What's what's the story there? I don't know. Um, I think it was one of those things. I, you know, I, I took all the the tests in high school. Like, what do you what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was in I was in well, I started off in engineering, uh, and I enjoy things like that. But that that certainly wasn't for me. Then I was in pre-med because, you know, you do well in math and science. You you should be a doctor. Uh, and then kind of once you dive into it, I had a little self-assessment and it was like, do you really want to want to do this? I mean, are, is your heart in it? Because certainly pre-med, but once you get in med school and then residency and all those things, if you specialize, I mean, this is a big commitment. You kind of have to know that's what you want to do. And I just... I. I couldn't, my heart wasn't, wasn't in it. I enjoyed the thought of medicine and helping people. And I, I kind of fell into pharmacy. Uh, I don't really know how or why my friend was kind of in the same boat I was and had a friend that was in pharmacy school in Monroe. And he's like, I don't know, I'm going to apply to that. And if I get in, I'll go. I was like, yeah, I'll do that too. Uh, (laughs) I don't really know why. And you know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed pharmacy school. It was difficult, but I met Amy, my wife there. She was in my class. But then you get out, and I was still kind of in the back of my mind, like, but what do I want to do? Yeah. Uh, and I I don't know. I I like the law. I like even to see how the sausage is made, like with legislation. Uh, my wife and probably my mom would say I like to argue. So I, I, I guess I had my thought on something like health care law, or, or, and Lord knows now I probably should have done that because there's <laughs> – Excuse me. There's a there's a huge vacuum, but um, yeah, I even took the LSAT. Uh, I did pretty well on it, and, and again, it was kind of one of those self reflection things. Like, all right, we're finally out of school. We're finally making a little bit of money and have some established base set up. Do you really want to dive back into school? And and I didn't. And I'm I'm kind of glad I didn't. It turns out I love pharmacy. I really do love the whole process. I love being able to help people. Uh, the things I don't like about pharmacy really have nothing to do with the practice of pharmacy or patient care. Right. It's all, it's all the backside of it. It's corporate. Yeah. It's just corporate nonsense. I don't really know how else to describe it. it well, 
dealing with insurance companies has kind of become the bane of my existence, but I think we're in the process of fixing that. So it's, I still, I still love what I do and, and I, th- that's, and, and sorry to kind of go on all these tangents, but then I did, I did go back to school. So I went back, uh, I was working, had worked a few years as in pharmacy and I, I just realized like, this is not at all what I want to do. So I went back and got my MBA at LSU at night and I kind of realized like, I want to do something and, you know, doctors are the same way you hear doctors are like the worst business people. Yeah, it, and I've, that's I've not, had discussions with Dr. Boudreaux at, at length about that. You know, and I will say that he and, and Kurt, Dr. Chastain, uh, are probably outliers in the, on the other end of the spectrum yeah. where they, they're they kind of innovative and, and have flipped the thing on its head. They've had to figure themselves out, but it's something that within their education process was not taught to them. It's not, and that, it, it's, it's not taught. Like, my, my sister and my brother-in-law are dentists. Yeah. And it's not, like, they have one guest lecture come in and tell you about, right. the, about the business side of dentistry, right? And then they have one guest lecture for med school probably comes in and tells you about the business side of, of medical. But it's like you're not taught about the business side because the assumption is you're going to go work at a big organization mm-hmm. and they're going to have all the business ends of the practice handled. And all you're going to have to do is treat patients. Yeah, well, and I think that's what a lot of them would prefer their physicians do. Um but you, you can't, to me, you can't really operate a business. Like if I was the pharmacist in charge somewhere, I mean, how can you expect me to operate this business as well as I think it can be operated when I don't even have the information? Like when I was at CVS, I, I, and to defend some of their pharmacy, their pharmacists now, they couldn't see the prices. They couldn't change the price. They have no input on what things cost or, or what they have to charge or anything like that. But that's, that's kind of where I was is, I, I read a lot of books and, you know, listen to Dave Ramsey or whatever the things are that you do, but I didn't, I didn't even have like a, a baseline of, of knowledge. I had taken, I think an accounting class and marketing. It's not really my thing. The soft sciences aren't my thing. I, I, I certainly understand the value of it and I appreciate when somebody's good, but it's not my deal. But I went back to get my MBA really just maybe to figure things out. I don't know. And, and, I'm glad glad I did. I loved it. I loved every bit of it. I went to school Monday and Tuesday nights. Um, we had our first child in the middle of this process, and it was one of my MBA classmates that kind of talked me into opening a pharmacy downtown, which on paper, objectively, was a terrible idea, but we just made it work. And it was – he saw a void there, a vacuum, that a, a population that just wasn't being served and there were no options – and he, he kind of just mentioned it one day in passing that, hey, why don't you open a, a pharmacy downtown? I think you, I think you could make it. I was like, no, that's the whole point of doing this. Like, I'm getting out of pharmacy. I'm. Oh, so you never had an intention? Oh no, no, to no. Open your own pharmacy? No, I thought it would be something like, uh, it's. I look back at it and laugh now, like nursing home management or hospital administration, or you know, even they had like this fast track to be a, a district manager. Uh, when I was at CVS, <laughs> um, glad glad I didn't do that. But no, I I went in. I went to get my MBA to get out of pharmacy altogether. I hated everything about it. I hated. I, I didn't. Uh, looking back now, I didn't. Yeah, I, you, I just thought hated, I did. You hated the the box in which you had to play. 
and I hated wearing a tie. <laughs> <laughs> what do they call it? The 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 businessman's noose. Uh, yeah, I think so. I I don't really know why. I, it's it was just an odd. And I, I worked with a guy. It's funny. Like he would keep a little, I don't know, twelve inch clip on kid's tie by his computer. And so when the, you know, when the the corporate folks came around ringing their bells, he would like put his little clip on on it would hang down halfway down his shirt. He'd, but he'd butt button his pharmacy yeah. jacket, and you could still see the tie and everything. Yeah, but he checked the boxes. He had his tie on. So. I mean, I, I get, like, I, I love dressing up, and I love, like, putting on a suit, and, you know, I'm a big bow tie guy. Yeah. You know, and it's, I, I, I can get, I love the appeal of a tie. I love the appeal of a bow tie. I love that level of dressing up. But when it's, like, expected or yeah. required, there's just a different component about putting that outfit on. And I it think, becomes like, it, it's like, I have to now wear this uniform that's to right. go to work. It's, it's no uniform. longer an expression of my fashion. It's no longer an expression of what I want to look like. It's now a requirement. And when you start requiring it, it's like, are we in grade school having to wear our uniforms every day? Yeah. No, and that's, that's where I was. Like I, I wear a tie. Yeah. I love a good tie. Fairly often. McClady puts me Uh, in a lot of ties. I'm about it. The bow tie game is not my specialty. Uh, you know, shout out to my friend, Bo Staples. He's had to tie a bow tie or two of mine. I've, I've looked in the, I've watched YouTube videos that, you know, we were going to the Mardi Gras to Achilles this year. And of course, last minute, Amy's trying to race out the door and I'm just remembering I haven't tied my bow tie yet. So, uh, but a regular tie, I can do it with my eyes closed, but I want to wear it on my terms. Yeah. And, And like you said, when you're, when you're there, it's long days, you know, we don't work as long now as I did before, but we were working. When, when Amy and I first started, we were working 14 hour days with no lunch, lunch break. You know, you do three or four of those in a row and I mean, you're pretty physically and mentally exhausted. And the last thing I need is this, you know, restraint <laughs> bark collar on my neck. So but it also, it starts getting uncomfortable after that long a time. Right. And then, yeah. if you, and then if you start loosening up the tie, now you're not then you looking. Look, then you look slouchy, right? Right. Now you're not looking nearly as professional as you were intentionally supposed to with a tie, and so now it's like you've lost your purpose. Yeah, and I get it. I mean, you have to have dress codes, and you have to have, you know, you see a, you see a marine dressed in their, in their blues. It looks really good, mm-hmm. um, but it, it sounds so incredibly petty. But that was, <laughs> I think that was like the last thing. But it's not the tie. It's like what it represents. It's just the corporate check boxes that mean absolutely nothing and add nothing to patient care it, it's it's just because somebody somewhere came up with this algorithm that or checklist that says you're going to do these things and i so i get i i can understand the appeal of wanting to dress in a certain way when your interactions with people are limited right when whenever yeah. you have somebody drive up to the window you don't want them to see somebody not looking their best you don't want them to see somebody looking like they either just rolled out of bed right. or not well put together. And you're like, some, like, I don't need what I came to get here. Yeah, no, <laughs> Go I'm take out. care yeah. of your day, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like when you, when you pull up to the window and you see somebody professionally dressed and they've got that sense of elegant about them. And I can understand from a corporate level, we have to establish this across the board to make sure everybody looks a certain part. Yeah. But when you're able to get it down to what prescriptions are going off two locations, right? Correct. So whenever you're able to know who's working what shift and you're at that small business scale and controlling it, if one of the employees 
can't come in that morning because they are having a rough morning. Right. You're able to say, stay home. We'll get somebody else to cover it. So you don't have to roll in literally and look like you rolled in. Well, that's right. And, uh, you know, the, the flip side of that is, but there is some level of, I mean, we, we do have uniforms. You, we do you're, have a, you're in slacks and a button down. You're not dressed poorly. Right. I mean, do you want someone that's giving you a medicine that could, potentially kill your child if taken incorrectly i mean do you do you want them to look like that well no uh so it's a balance and it and it is an establishment of not necessarily authority but like it's an establishment of knowledge if you're dressed in a certain way whether it's a suit or something for whatever reason we just objectively assume to trust you that's right or well, depending on what kind of work you're in, it maybe not trust you because you're walking in a bad situation. Well, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. in the in the sense of a pharmacy, I can see, oh, pull up, okay, nice presented person. They're yeah. going to be able to handle. I'm going to trust whatever they're going to give me. If they say I need to take two of these pills every four hours, I'm going to take two of these pills every four hours. Yeah, that's. But that's, if I show up and you're in gym shorts and a t-shirt and be like, well, it TJ, just, are you sure you did the math right? <laughs> yeah, and and rightfully so. It's 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 kind of like one of those self fulfilling prophecies. But that, that was kind of the hardest thing for us to grow as a business in a pharmacy um, was when we were downtown, like I said, I was there all day, every day. I I knew the numbers. I didn't have to look them up. I knew them inherently because I was there. Well, when we were opening a, another store, and, and we've had the opportunity to, to open several, and I think we will, uh, but it's to me it kind of has to be done a certain way because – what I, what I didn't want, one of the hardest things for me was not like to relinquish power because I'm some like power hungry. It's not. It's it's just trusting someone else to do it the right way. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that makes sense. It, it, it does. As an entrepreneur, you have crafted, you have created, you have molded this child of yours because your it business really, is it, your it child. It really is. It's, and, yeah. and now you have to bring somebody else into the equation and say, here's how to raise my child, go off and do what is right. Right. You know, and in, in your mind, there, there's a certain way, there's a certain formula, there's a certain equation that gets the right thing done, yeah. how you want it to be done. And when you bring in somebody else to run another location, mm-hmm. another store, they have their ideas, which aren't wrong. They just may not be in line with what you had in mind. However, as an entrepreneur, you have to ex- you have to look into what they've got and see if you can understand where they're coming from mm-hmm. to determine if what they have is going to fit within your model, even if it's a slight variant that's, of, no, what that's you, a great, of what you started with. That's a great uh, a great point, and I would say their solution or way of doing things may be better. And, yeah. and be and and be and be open to that because right. again, this whole theory that uh, that that's the way we've always done things. I mean, that applies to me too. Uh, there, I have a lot of shortcomings and and room for improvement. It, but going back to again, these things aren't complicated. Just just hiring good people. Uh, and the the good thing about pharmacy is that it's a really really small world, really statewide. Um, but especially in Baton Rouge, I floated floating means you, I wasn't like a staff pharmacist at any store. I just kind of filled in when somebody was sick or somebody was on vacation. 
Uh, so I went everywhere. And the good good side was I got to meet a lot of pharmacists and pharmacy technicians and things like that. So when it was time to open another store or, or hire another pharmacist, you know, we, we kind of had the pick, pick of the litter. And there are still some very good ones out there that I hope come to work with us uh, one day. But it's, it's hiring good people. It's giving them the resources and, and really the autonomy. Like I'm not a micromanager. I'm not ever going to be a micromanager. I don't want to be. Um, if I can help you tell me I'm there in the trenches with you, but I'm not going to nitpick over things unless it, unless I need to. Uh, and, but it's hiring good people, leaving them alone and letting them, most of them are in the same boat I was. And the only reason they would leave a corporate job that may have better benefits, that may have a better 401k is because of that, because of the autonomy, because of, you know, we run the type of operation. Like if your kid has a field trip or, uh, you know, they're in a play or in their science class for second period, they want to show you something like, I want you to be able to go. And Amy's a pharmacist. I'm a pharmacist, which, which helps. We can kind of plug holes, but that's kind of, it's kind of the type of operation we're, we're trying to run. And it, it really becomes more difficult when you grow, especially if you grow exponentially, which financially probably is a better move. That's what a lot of people do is they grow and they get five, 10, 15, 20 stores and they sell it for multiples to some venture capitalist. But this is my baby. This is, and, and that there's some value there to me that you can't really monetize. And, if I open another store, I want it to, I want those, the customers or patient, we call them patients that use that store to say the same things that people say to me now. Like they're so good. Even when you're not there, these people care. They always take good care of us. Like that, that to me is, is very valuable. So when you went from one store to two stores, mm-hmm. how did you know it was the right time? Uh, man, that's a good question. I, I don't think I really thought about that. I'm kind of an impulsive guy. I'm so so walk us through going from one to two. Yeah. Uh, well, (laughs) some of it was, um, our pharmacist in charge at, at our, our second store, she and I worked together and I know her, I knew, I knew her, um, I knew the type of operation she ran and I would talk to her somewhat regularly and she was just, you know, kind of in that spinning your wheels and it's a job and it's a, you know, it, we're doing this because of this. And again, like corporate checklists and things like that. And so I kind of jokingly said one day, like you should open your own pharmacy. Like I'm established enough now to know that, okay, this is probably going to work <laughs> You know, there were points in time there where I didn't know. I mean, we, our first year or two was was pretty rough and pretty slow, and and I didn't tell Amy. I, I took it, to, I took it to bed every night and slept on it. But, uh, but <laughs> you I just left 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 yeah, her in the wind. Just well, told her nothing. That was kind of a a, a joint decision, and that she's she's not a worrier like I am, and I don't want her to be. And it, you know, so she knew you were going to worry. She didn't have to. I think that's right. I think she trusted me, and and there's only, you know, both of us doesn't need to stay up all night worrying about these things. So. Uh, look, a hundred percent. Look, so, we're, 
that's that's kind of how and, and that was always our agreement as a family was that if we could and Amy came from a very entrepreneurial family her her dad that's another funny story and I'll tell you after this but she grew up in a home unlike mine my parents both worked they were and that's what worked for them and my dad told me when, when I opened the pharmacy I, I it was a scariest call I've ever made was telling him I'm going to do this. I, I thought he was going to say I was an idiot and and he was proud of me and he was, he said he always hoped I would do something like that and uh, it, it just wasn't something he could do. He needed a paycheck, a 401k, a retirement date and that sort of thing. But our agreement with Amy was that if we can ever get this to a position where it can, it can kind of support itself and support us and ideally you can be a part-time pharmacist and a mom. Like that's her specialty in life is being a mom. And that was kind of our, uh, that was kind of our goal was for her or for both of us, but for her to be a mom and to be the room mom and to go to the cafeteria. So I think she, she trusts me for some odd reason. Um, but that was, that was kind of it. But back to our pharmacist in charge, I would tell her like, you should go start your own pharmacy. I'll help you. There are people that will help you. You will do well. You'll have to take, you know, some bumps along the way, but in five years, you'll look up and be glad you did. And I remember telling you like, Nope, I can't do it. It's not in me. I don't operate like that. And she said, I don't know if she was joking or not, but she said, if you open one, I'll run it for you. And so that was kind of the, that was it. She planted the seed and, and I, it just kind of kept going back to it. And that was the thing I always worried about was how would, what, what do I open a pharmacy and then have like a career fair and, you know, bring people in and interview them. I don't know that I've ever interviewed anybody. I don't have this formal job interview process. I probably should. Uh, <laughs> but for your third location, you probably, I, should. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I know, I know most of these people, I know how they operate. I know how they are behind the scenes. And so that's been, you know, I couldn't go to Colorado and open a pharmacy in Denver and, ha- and, and have that. But but we do here, and it's it's one yeah, of the more have, valuable have a resources. Product offering in Colorado. Yeah, that's uh, I'm hey I'm affiliated with uh, a different product offering here, so I'm an advocate. Uh, I'm an advocate for medicine for whoever may need it. I love that. I mean, they say going from one location to two is the hardest. Oh, I think that's right because you have to figure out a way to replicate what you're doing at location A and bring it to location B in order for them to become successful. And then once you have that second location, you've kind of figured out the sauce, right? You figured out what makes it work because your second location becomes successful before you start a third. Not many people will have a failing second location and then start a third. You're going to figure out all your bumps and then go to your third, your fourth, and your fifth. Yeah, I think that's right. I think think one or two is very difficult, and it's, again, going back to everything simple for me, is you just can't be in two places – at once. And one of the things I really enjoy is, is truly establishing a relationship with our patients. I mean, these people truly become like friends and family to us. So that's something that I'm not there every day. I can't be there every day. So that you, you have to sacrifice some of that, but one to two was very difficult. Uh, I think the other problem people run into, and I'm trying to be cognizant of it and, you know, 
go from two to five to 10 to 15. Well, I could, I could do that. I mean, there, there are resources out there and, and we could, we could do something like that, but then does it just become another commodity product? You're just another big box pharmacy who hires people who you don't even know. They don't care. And going back to, this is my baby. When, when your entire business model is built on kind of quality service and word of mouth, you can't really screw that up. Right. Uh, I mean, let me rephrase it. You can screw that up very easily and you can't and survive. Right. So do you think that's kind of like the biggest hurdle for prescriptions to go from two to five to 10 to 15? Um, that and my wife, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'm, kind of disorganized. I, I blame my kids. I say I was, I wasn't before I had kids, but I, I probably try to do too much. I don't outsource probably like I should, but yeah, it's, it's very time consuming running, running two and, you know, a family, I, you know, at the end of the day, we, we're, we have families too. And that's, right. that's very important to, not just me and Amy, but to everybody that works with us, you know, when we go home and on the weekends, you know, we're, we're not, I, I compare, I, I don't compare us to Chick-fil-A, but it, I, I really envy that model. You know, they get it right. I don't, I don't know exactly the model, but I know that one person can't open 10 stores. I, I think maybe they can own two or three, but they're there. They're in the belly of the beast. They know what's, they're not looking to report on the beach somewhere. Um, they're closed on Sundays. You've never wanted Chick-fil-A so much in your life until it's a Sunday. Uh, <laughs> your kids have never wanted Chick-fil-A well, more that, than yeah. in your life. And and that's that was one thing for us. I could be open longer. I could be open more on the weekends and on Sundays. And we probably, it would probably increase our sales and our bottom line. But that's not really how I want to operate. Yeah, you've got to have a balance for both customer fulfillment, patient fulfillment, mm-hmm. and employee satisfaction, and ultimately just their ability to thrive within the organization. Yeah. If you have employees and you work them to the bone day in and day out with no time off, they're not going to be there very long. Well, and, and I, I wouldn't blame them. Uh, I wouldn't be. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, be there very long because I wouldn't either. And that's that's that. It's a it's a great point, and that's one of the things. I guess your, our patients or our customers have to sacrifice a little bit on their end is, is the convenience. We're not on every corner. We're not open until midnight and 10 hours on Sunday, but they're, they're pretty adapt adaptable and either they find a way to get it when we're open or there, there's certainly times when we meet people after hours or I'll bring something home or, I mean, our, our staff or crew, I don't really know what you call them. Staff to me sounds ster- sterile. Uh, you know, team members sounds a little, a little, a little forced. Yeah. It's a little much for me. I, uh, I've always kind of struggled with that kind of odd little yeah. tidbit there, but probably most days they bring something home with them, whether it's for their neighbor or somebody that, Oh, I'm picking my kid up at daycare too. I'll bring your prescription because you couldn't make it across traffic and I'll meet you there. So, I don't ask them to do that. I don't expect them to do that. It's just kind of what we do. Yeah. Well, we'll have to brainstorm what we can call 
your employees. Yeah, figure it out because I haven't. Uh, <laughs> well, because I think that I mean, not not that it's specific component, but going and developing a training program where you have to bring in people that can recognize the beauty of what you've built within your two locations in order to open up that fifth, that tenth, yeah. that fifteenth. You have to show them the culture you've got of prescriptions mm-hmm. to go. You've got to show them what you've built over the years and how everyone that's working there feels it. They mm-hmm. want it. They drive for it. And that ultimately, I think, is what's going to get you to 5, 10, 15 stores yeah. is getting those members yeah. of your company to step up and be like, we know what you want and we're going to deliver. And then ultimately convincing your wife. But that's, you know, that's. Yeah, that's that's a much more complicated <laughs> process. And in the the good the good side of that again pharmacy being a small world is I'm from Bozier, uh, the Shreveport Bozier area Lafayette. I mean Monroe's probably kind of saturated. And there's some really good operators up there, but Lafayette, like Charles, uh, I mean we know really good pharmacists in all of those places that we could get everything running turn the lights on, hand them the keys and say, go run it like it's yours. And their culture would be the same as ours. It would be, so that's. It sounds like you've got three, four and five planned out. Well, in my, <laughs> in my head I do. And we had, talk to Amy. <laughs> yeah. We had looked at uh, like, like a franchising uh, process a few years ago and we were pretty deep into the process. It's funny. One of my uh, business school professors, who's a, a friend now, um, kind of came up with this idea and brought a friend of his in who's like a franchising guru. And then there's a lot, Brandon knows all these folks. There's a lot that goes into that. It's, oh, yeah. it's hyper complicated. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I don't write many things down. I mean, I do, I make lists for everything that I rarely finish, but uh, I don't write things down. Like this is how you do this. And part of the franchising model or opening five, to 10 stores, I mean, you kind of have to have policies and procedures and how do we do this? Okay. If someone, heaven forbid, you know, knock on wood comes in and sticks a gun in your face, what do you do? You ask them, do they want a bag to put it in? Like we're not, we're not getting killed over any of this. Right. Uh, so it's, it's things like that. You don't have to have a manual when you're there every day, but, and I, maybe I'm a little bit hesitant to do that too, because I, I'm a I'm a risk taker. I'm a gambler, but I'm also a little bit scared of failure. When it's like going back to the the kid mindset, it's like writing down your kid's schedule for a sitter. Yeah, uh, and I, yeah, <laughs> we did that. It, it, it's, it's like when when you when you do that, you're coming to terms that there's now a process for what you think is non-processable. Like I mean, it's, it's funny. Just, it's just you kind of no no. It's just what you do. But when you write it all down, you're like, "Oh wait, no, this is just a math equation." And it and it's it's it, it, it's just it's like programming plug, a it's, robot. It's, it's, it's programming a robot, yeah. and you're like, you like you look at it, and you're like, "Okay, yeah, no, I just you just formulated what you're supposed to do." And it was funny when we did that early on, and like we would leave the the kids with my parents or Amy's parents, and you know have this list, and here's their medicine, here's how they take it. I mean, looking back, it's so silly. They, they kind of know how to do this, right? <laughs> they raised you. you. Know, it, it, it's when when we had our first baby and we read all the books and 
and did all the things. And going back to my disdain for the corporate structure, I'm probably, I'm the only male I know. Like I took 12 weeks of FMLA for our first kid and uh, they were like, wait, you're, you're doing, you're doing what? Like, you know, the, the times have changed in the last 13 years, but at that time it was called maternity leave. And I was like, well, I want paternity leave. We don't have family here. I don't know what this is going to look like. Yeah. Now, a few weeks into it, I was already kind of back to work. But, uh, you know, we brought our baby home and you're feeding her every three hours and like throughout the night. And dad, your job is to keep her awake and all these things. And I just remember being so exhausted and we didn't know like which day it was, what day or night. And I remember like having to like stimulate the baby to keep her awake so she would eat in the middle of the night. And I told Amy, I'm like, there's no way my grandparents did this. I mean, this is insane. And so needless to say by number three, it's like, Hey dude, you're on your own. You gotta, you gotta figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. We're, we're, we're going to be right back in the boat with number two on the way. It's going to be. See, to me, reliving those times. Yeah. Well, for, for children, zero to one was the most difficult. Uh, two to three, to me, wasn't, I mean, looking back, it probably was, I mean, you know, I, I kind of poke a lot of fun at Amy because she's a good sport and like, I'll be somewhere and I'll introduce her as my first wife and people kind of are like a little weirded out by that. And I'm like, well, she's still my wife, but she's, she's my first wife also. It's it's an accurate statement. It's just an interesting way to phrase it. She like just rolls her eyes at me and how many times she's been asked like what's wrong with her and how does she do this but she really she's a mom and is her thing and she makes if not for that like she does all that and look i like to think i'm a good dad too and i'm present in there but she does that so well that i have time to do this sort of thing and go to all these pharmacy meetings and go testify at the capitol uh she has no interest or desire to do that she sees the value in it and that, you know, and the, how did I get involved in that? It's like, well, I mean, if it is to be, it's up to me kind of right, thing. I yeah. kept looking behind me and nobody was, was, nobody's not was, knocking on yeah, your back. So, like, Hey, I got this. Yeah. So, um, well, man, we've got to, we got to start wrapping this up. Yeah. Um, told so you, I, I'm on a tangent. I love it. So as we begin to wind down the show, we do have a set list of questions we like to ask every guest. So it's funny, Amy one. asked me if I was prepared for the... Oh, so you know about this I segment. I do not know. I oh, may, you uh, don't know, but Amy knows. I, She may, but I don't. And I'm a I'm a spontaneous guy, so Perfect. I don't want to know. Perfect. So for the first question, the very hard-hitting, very, very hard-hitting, um, what is something you did as a kid you wish you could still do today? Man, maybe I should have uh, <laughs> processed this. Um, you know, I go, I go back to, and I'm guilty of the phones and the iPads and all the things. My watch is buzzing. I don't even know how to work any of this stuff, but I kind of miss a simpler time when we didn't, I went to LSU and I didn't have a cell phone. Pager and fax machine. Yeah. we. I didn't even have a pager. Like I wasn't even a cool kid. Yeah. I was probably like going to the public library and faxing somebody something, but <laughs> I kind of, I kind of miss that, uh, the simpler and, and again, I am fully guilty of all of these things of always having a phone and 
looking at it and looking at text messages or social media or whatever. I mean, you know how terrible I am at responding to messages, but that's something I could, but just the innocence and of being a child and like getting on your bike and riding it and not having a care in the world. Like I, I wasn't concerned about lunch or the stock market or anything. I was, we were like trying to find trash wood piles at construction sites to build like a ramp or something that it's still amazing. That nobody broke their neck, but that's fat all day. I could probably think of something else, but that's what kind of comes yeah, to mind. It's a, a way of simpler times. Um, is I think that there's going to be a lot of people that are drawn back to that mm. when we get back into the fast-paced way of life where everything's going 90 miles a mm. minute and then you have kids and it gets, it gets quicker for some reason. It gets quicker. And yeah. thinking back on the times when you were a lot younger and had that flexibility to just go and be free and not really have the adult responsibilities that we all have now, it's so it's a very desirable time that I completely mm -hmm. can understand and relate to. So you have been in the business for ten years now. Congratulations, mm -hmm. by you. the way. Um, you made a decade. So yeah, thank you. What are three lessons you've learned along the way? Oh man. Um, well, I think we kind of went over one probably ad nauseum, but just kind of. You can't do everything yourself. Surround yourself, whether that's being an electrician or being a mechanic or hiring a, a pharmacist. Um, kind of not, not necessarily delegating, but just you can't do everything and you don't need to do everything. Uh, so kind of focusing on like do what you do well and other than that, outsource to good people. Uh, number two, you know, I guess I'm, even more probably disenfranchised by kind of some of the, I, I don't know what you would call it, corporate governance or corporate behavior or even like legislation, like how the sausage is made type thing. And this is, it's kind of funny. That's, that's one of those truly bipartisan issues that it's, it's, it's everybody. It's both parties. It's all the, um, some of that kind of, I wish I didn't know what I know now. Um, so I've, I've learned to navigate that a little bit, probably not very well. I, I certainly say and post on Facebook more than I should, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I am who I am. So it, it is who you are that. And then, uh, what have I learned? I don't know. I would, I, I like to think I was always a, um, you know, I was a pretty fiscally conservative and responsible, even as a kid. And I mean, my parents raised me like that. I mean, they were very frugal and, um, in running a business, things can get really out of hand really quickly if you don't kind of watch it and, and manage it. So that's something that, especially when we open our second store, I'm like, I don't understand. I'm, we're busier than we've ever been. And where's the cash flow? Like, and, and I, this is not unique to pharmacy. I've come to find out. And, and that part of that is surround yourself with people like Brandon or, I mean, Todd Graves or other friends of mine who are, you know, business owners or entrepreneurs that a lot of these things aren't unique to any specific industry. And, and that's one of the things 
really use the resources you have around you. That was something I always hated to ask for help. And it's funny, politicians use this a lot, uh, that it's almost like when you, when you ask someone for help or when you ask someone for a political contribution, they have buy-in, they become part of the, part of the team. And man, like Kurt Chastain, I can't even tell you how much that guy has helped my, my business. Um, He's, he's just a, he's a fantastic guy, fantastic doctor, and he's he's done a lot of this stuff before. So, in a long-winded way of wrapping that up, like don't reinvent the wheel if you don't have to. Hundred percent. So, what is something you love about Baton Rouge? You know all the cliche things. You know the people, the food, uh, but it, that's that's why we live here. You, I mean, yeah. you don't live here for the weather or the traffic or uh you know lately the crime i think hopefully we're we're turning that around but it it really is it's just good people you know we were i guess fortunate or unlucky or unfortunate to be the the only pharmacy downtown with the flood in 2016 i wasn't here for uh for katrina we were for gustav but that was a little different um but the flood like I'd never experienced something like that just to see people that truly don't have anything. I mean, they, their houses were gone. They, some of them knew what insulin they were taking and maybe how many units. And there were doctors leaving long shifts at the lake to come to the river center to write. I mean, we had prescriptions on the back of receipts on like the inside of a McDonald's bag. It it didn't matter. Like get us a prescription. We'll take care of it. We'll, We'll all figure this out together. That was really, really rewarding for us to see. Our our kids got to witness it because, unfortunately, we were working, you know, extremely long days. I mean, my my best friend and his wife came in town from Lafayette to help us. Actually, I think they lived here then, but they live around there now. But they came to help us just to help us tread water um, yeah. to keep up. So it really is the people. And that's another thing about going back to like technology and social media and all those things. I think it, it takes out that part that kind of makes it special when everybody's either a number or a statistic or a voter or, you know, that's not what makes it special. It's, I worked at the corner of Plank and Choctaw a lot when I was at CVS, you know, that's not, the same demographic as me, obviously nobody cared. Everybody got along. They were so thankful that I gave a damn about their, their healthcare and, and them getting the right medicine. Uh, so it just goes to say that I don't think these things are as complicated as we make it. And some of it is just, we've forgotten just the human side of how to treat people. Yeah. So not answer to your question, the, the people, the food, I'm a big LSU guy. Like I love, there's nothing better than, uh, you know, 2019 season was probably the peak of my uh, my existence as a Tiger fan, but it was a fun run. We've we've got a lot to be uh, celebratory about as of late as a Tiger. Yeah, man, we got we got a lot happening in the sports world. The uh, the baseball Tigers, the I mean the Kim Mulkey. I don't know. Uh, Scott Woodward may be the smartest man in Baton Rouge. Um, but again, 
put the right people in place and, and let them do their job. Let them execute, man. Uh, it's, it's a fun time. So for the final question, what can I do to help you? Uh, well, I think you've done it here. I, uh, thank you for letting me spew my random thoughts and, <laughs> and wear the logo for my business. Uh, yeah, I just, if people give us a chance, uh, you know, nine times out of 10, they're not going anywhere else. So that it's, it's a slow and steady process, but you've done it, man. You've, you've used your voice. We have a lot of mutual friends, but uh, we have a lot that aren't. And if there's anybody, your friends or whoever, there's something that somebody's making overly complicated. Now, the caveat, I can't help you with the Adderall shortage. That is a real thing. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's just, it's. I guess it's getting our business out there. And, again, I'm terrible at marketing and advertising. But um, we just try to try to get ourselves in front of as many people and, and prescribers as possible. And when somebody... Somebody does give us a chance, like, take care of them. Yeah. So, so how if can I you... think of something, I'll, I'll let you know. It's not my taxes because yeah. I'm definitely not one of those guys that's ready by April the 15th. So, yeah. Yeah. It's to each their own. I delay that misery as long as I can. <laughs> well, to avoid going down a very long conversation, man, thank you so much for coming on the show about taxes. Um, what is a good way for people to find you? Uh, well, I mean, we have a website, uh, ptgrx.com or prescriptions to go. Around here, it makes sense, uh, G-E-A-U-X. But when I'm calling a help desk in the Northeast, they, they don't often get it. But uh, the website, uh, we have a Facebook and Instagram page. Again, I'm woefully bad at all of those things. But look us up, call us, walk in, talk to us. It's that's the easiest way. And, uh, you know, if there's any way we can, we can help figure out the, the medication nightmare that that's often out there. It's kind of like what we like doing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, TJ, for coming on, man. We'll be sure and link all the websites and socials for you. Yeah, so you don't have you. to worry about that, yeah. man. Um, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And appreciate you me. sharing your story. Thanks a lot. We'll talk about golf next time. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's on the golf show. <laughs> yeah. Deal. So thank you, everybody else, for listening, whether you're watching or you're listening to us, whatever platform you're consuming the show. I'm very appreciative. I know the guests are as well. Look, if you're looking to get a great place to get prescriptions, Prescription to Go is going to be the place to do that. We're going to link them in all of our social posts as well as the show notes, so check that out as you're consuming us. And thank you so very much for the folks that bring you this show each and every week. Hear a little bit more about them right now. Welcome to the brand new Falaya mobile app. We took all the same tech that's helped hundreds of people sell their homes themselves and packed it into an easy to use app for your phone. When you download the Falaya mobile app on either the Apple or Android app store, you'll immediately be able to see the power of this game changing tool. From the seller's dashboard, you can navigate to all the information that you need. We intentionally separated everything into key groups, such as tasks to be completed, buyer leads for your listing, and contact information for everyone involved through closing. When you get an offer on your property, you can simply review and respond all within the app. No matter where you are in the world, you'll be able to monitor everything that's going on with your property from listed to sold. It's truly the power of Falaya in the palm of your hand. 
Download the app and see for yourself. Halaya, it's real estate reimagined. Thank you so very much to Building 5 for the, becoming the latest sponsor of the Patty G Show. We are going to be filming once a month at Building 5. We're going to post about it on our socials so you can come and visit with us. Building 5 is an excellent food establishment if you're into sharing boards and really getting a creative menu. Misty and Brumby have done an excellent job of creating an environment that's warm, welcoming, and inviting for every single occasion. Go on over to Building 5 in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and tell them that the Patty G Show sent you. Imagine taxiing on a plane looking toward the end of the runway. It seems so far away, it's even hard to see it. And that's what the concept of retirement probably felt like when you were in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, way far in the distance, not visible, or even a concern. But as you turn 50, something happens. Retirement suddenly seems like something real, something not too far away. In your 50s, you are rolling down the runway, Retirement is getting closer and closer, faster and faster, weeks and months zipping by. But are you even ready for a successful takeoff to retirement? Fear not, there's still runway left, but the time is now. Time to make progress and time to get a plan. The Runway Decade will help you get organized, get energized, and give you the direction you need to take off to your desired retirement. The Runway Decade building a pre-retirement flight plan in your 50s. Thank you to Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge for making this show possible. Nick Pentis is a past guest. We love having him on. Listening to him talk about the culture they have over at Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge is really an incredible thing to hear. How they treat not only their employees, but every customer that walks through the door. You are more than just a number to them. They're going to give you that white glove concierge service every step of the way. They're going to make you feel like family and take what can be a stressful time in people's life. Shopping for a car, they're going to make it so enjoyable and so pleasurable. You're going to want to go back there time and time again for every new vehicle. Thank you so very much for Mercedes-Benz of making this show possible. Thank you to our wonderful sponsor, Lake Men's Health Center with our Lady of the Lake Physicians Group. Guys, I know it's tough to get out and go to the doctor. I know it's challenging to find time in our busy days, but I promise you, signing up to be a part of this group with Dr. Curtis Chastain and Dr. Tyler Boudreaux, you won't regret it for several reasons, but most of those being the fact of the time it saves, where you're able to get in on the same day, get that appointment done, and spend that time you need to talk with them about what your health goals and concerns are, as well as ensuring that the financial investments you have, you will be able to live out and see those come to fruition. So if you're an investing guy, you know all about and planning for the future and investing in the future. There's no other more important thing to invest in than your health. Make sure you go check them out, our Lady of the Lake Physicians Group Men's Health Center, and tell them Patty G sent you. McClavey's Limited, a proud sponsor of the Patty G Show, has been serving the Baton Rouge area proudly for 40-plus years. Gentlemen and ladies, if you're shopping for your man, there is no other place in the Baton Rouge area to get your clothing, whether it's game day needs, everyday needs, business attire, formal attire, whatever you want. Go over there, see Frank and Ashley. It's a father-daughter duo. They do incredible things in their store. They will outfit you from as simply a shirt that you need for one evening, or all the way to a full wardrobe overhaul. They're going to take care of you every step of the way, and be sure and let them know that Patty G Show sent you. Simple. 